Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Hello and welcome to this week's Countryside programme here on Manx Radio. I'm Simon Clark. And I'm Kiri Kermud. I get all the results from the Christmas Prime Stock Show out at Nokalo. And I find out more about the Japanese knotweed problem at Colby and the parish of Arbury. Well, first, another uh, packed programme, Kerry. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was an important part. I suppose in, in the early years of, of people having the tenancy of the farms and it all changed in hand in a time called Hollandtide. Hollandtide was a very important date in the calendar for tenant farmers. A busy time of year, moving stock from farm to farm and gaining new staff. I caught up with Donald Gellan, the captain of the parish of Maloo and Santon, to see what Hollandtide was like here on the Isle of Man. Donald, the weather in November here now is reminding of what time of year it is. It is getting wintry now, but it's a very important day in the farm and calendar in November, Hollandtide. Indeed, and of course we got the very weather that the forecasters gave us this morning, sunshine and showers, and my word, weren't those showers showers. But it is, it's the end of the harvest, as it were, and uh, of course Hollandtide or... Uh, sometimes it's called something different, but uh, we've kept on, carry, you know, carrying on calling it Hontide Fair, uh, and it's a gathering of the people at the parish in Santon. It has gone on for so many years; uh, it's unbelievable, but it still goes on. And of course, we're very fortunate that we still are able to come up to the old Santon School here to have the actual fair here at the school and it brings back many memories as somebody said as they came in today uh, did you used to go to this school well of course I did and I also reminded them I used to walk a mile from Park Rennick up to school in the morning and then go home at night it didn't matter if it was hail showers snow or whatever but it is traditional and it's nice that we can still hold it and hold it up at Santon School here, which is convenient. And uh, we get lots of people coming back purely and simply uh, because they see the sign at the bottom of the road <laughs> where it's very conveniently placed, and we can uh, get the people to come that used to come years ago, which is a shame because it's rather scattered, Santon, and uh, we haven't had you know much in the way of building in the parish. So with the result, uh, it's nice to see old faces. It really is. But what did this day mean in the farming calendar, Donald? Well, in the farming calendar, it was hopefully when uh, all as we would do at harvest, all is gathered in. But it was never really ever gathered in at this time of the year. Uh, And, of course, harvest is always on the first uh, week in October. Uh, And here we are now in November. But, of course, it was when things used to get changed and people changed from farms to farms and uh, probably they were getting settled in, having, on the October time, uh, perhaps uncertainties because they were moving on to another job somewhere else. And, of course, uh, it it was a celebration. I suppose it was better known as a celebration. But you could sell off, as we've seen today, potatoes and... Uh, things that had just been grown, beetroot and that type of uh, uh, 
vegetable, which of, of course I've just been told that you can't have any because uh, <laughs> you, your father won't allow you to cook it in the house. Well, that's what your mother said, so I'm getting her into trouble. But uh, that's the type of thing. And other stands with other white elephant and cakes and you name it. But uh, it is a time that uh, we like to continue to celebrate. It's an old Manx thing that you do. And it's, well, it's nice to be able to keep these Manx things going. This is a lovely Manx tradition, and like you say, it is celebration. But for a lot of farmers, it's still the day where they vacate a rented farm for 24 hours. You know, it's an old tradition. It's not just black and white and paper. These these are animals that are physically getting moved off the land still to this day, Donald. Yes, and of course, again, it's marvellous to listen, as I've done in the past, to other older farmers who perhaps were moving, which one in particular I remember, they were moving from the other side of Onken, and they, they had a farm in Sampton. And, of course, that was the new farm they were coming into. All the cattle and cows were moved on the road, and they were moved from very, very early on in the morning uh, before the traffic, and, of course, could you imagine today with the traffic we've got? But they would be moved, and there would be somebody going ahead shutting gates, there would be somebody else coming behind, then driving, and somebody else then opening the gates, and uh, it was a time, as I say, where you settled in again to a new farm, which, of course, doesn't happen nowadays because, A, we haven't got an awful lot of tenant farmers, but basically... Uh, it's something that uh, happens all the year round now. If somebody's leaving a farm, they're leaving it, and somebody else is moving in. But traditionally, this was a time of the year when there was a lot of uncertainty, but also a lot of excitement because they were moving to what they hoped would be a, a new farm, a better farm, better production, and sometimes it was and sometimes it wasn't. And do you see many changes in the farming of Santon? Oh, indeed. You know, when I look back, you know, I've lived here all my life. And, of course, when I look back and think of all the farms that we had in Santon and as kids and when we were getting grown up, uh, looking forward to the summer because that was when you were getting the uh, half a crown a time to go out and thin turnips. And, uh, well, I can tell you, that's what put me off farming. <laughs> my, my parents and grandparents and all were farming. But I decided engineering was a much better way forward because uh, picking potatoes or spuds, picking spuds and... As I say, thinning turnips was, oh, dear me, that put me off. But, of course, then I ended up uh, actually selling equipment that <laughs> you didn't have to do that anymore. But uh, basically, uh, it is a fact. It's been a tremendous change. I think I could say now that there's only four, four farms that are what I would call production of uh, stock or vegetables or whatever, now in Santon. All the rest has uh, basically uh, been bought out, uh, built on, you name it. Uh, but nevertheless, it's still green and pleasant and still a wonderful place to live. It, it really is. And how do you see farming for the future, Donald? I worry a bit. I worry a bit. In fact, in times, I worry a lot because... Uh, Basically, equipment now to try and start up today in a farm, well, I would say it would be, you would have to be a multimillionaire before you even decided to start because equipment and all are so expensive. And the handing down that used to happen doesn't happen anymore. And uh, it really would be a, a, a brave man that would start off farming today 
uh, and he would have to choose the right kind of farming because it changes so much and we hear now of so much now that can come in, we can come in, good gracious, you can beat in fruit that's come in from thousands of miles away, where of course it didn't used to be. But uh, as I say, it's, I don't know whether it's all for the best. I miss the farming, you know, when you think in Santon, it used to be such a busy place. Uh, and then when you think of the church and the chapels, uh, we, we had two chapels, one up, a ta- up Newtown and one at the lower, all shut. And yet I can remember your anniversaries and all where the stages were just full of children. In fact, at one time, we I think it was 48 children on the Sunday school list down at Lower Santon before it was closed. And now, of course, the young people, there's so much going on on a weekend Sunday, it is difficult to keep them going. That was Donald Gellon, the captain of the parish of Maloo and Santon. Donald, of course, growing up uh, in the agricultural world, probably, you know, experienced that sort of thing and the the worry that uh, people involved in the agricultural world had, particularly at that time of year, waiting to see whether they were allowed back on the land or whether their tenancy was renewed, wasn't it? It was a really exciting time, like Donald said, but it must have been really, really worrying as well, you know, whether you were going to have labour or work for that following year, how you were going to put bread on the table for the families as well. But it's still happening even nowadays. There is some tenancies where you have to vacate the premises for 24 hours, and we have one of those farm tenancies. And it, it is it's still a very worrying in time and uh, yeah, it's not easy in this day and age I suppose when there's no traffic on the roads it was a bit easy to move them it certainly was mm. we still move a lot of stock on the roadside and a lot of people do have the patience and admire them going past because it is a very old tradition but uh, with the amount of traffic it's something we don't do too often no well uh, one problem that's reared its head again is the problem on the element of the Japanese knotweed uh, it's been mentioned over many years but things when a little bit quiet, but it's uh, back in the forefront of the news, particularly at Arbury Commissioners. And I went along to the Colby River to speak to the chair of Arbury Commissioners, Jane Glover, to find out uh, more about the Japanese knotweed problem. And first of all, uh, whether much help was at hand, because this problem's been going on quite a while now. Well, Jane Glover, you seem to have had to take matters into your own hand. Yes, um, a couple of years ago we'd had some reports about um, little outbreaks, outcrops of the Japanese knotweed within the Colby River. But then this year there seems to have been a spike in reports, um, so we decided to actually get a survey done just to see how bad the problem was. And we realised it had spread quite a, a long way downstream, with some of the outcrops being about 40 metres wide. Right, so is this something that's um, slowly progressed over the years or is it something that the knotweed can develop fairly quickly? It can actually develop fairly quickly, um, depending on the actual climate in a year. And as you'll probably know, this was a good year for, for plants to grow quite voraciously. It can grow up to something like 10 centimetres a day in certain conditions. Um, it's very easily spread because of um, it can either do it through its um, rhizome network and its root network or it can be if somebody gets a bit on their shoe when they're out walking so it can actually spread quite quickly. We're standing by the the river here just opposite the the clock in Colby and uh, I presume that stuff that's all bent over there is the stuff that's causing the problems. Yes it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously um, that's already been treated so the, the gentlemen have been in 
and what they've had to do is clear some of um, the actual growth um, so that they can inject the rhizomes. So all those bent pieces that are there, yes, that's the extent of where it was. So how is it a company that has to come in from away to do this? No, it's actually a company within the Isle of Man. Right. And actually one of the people that's working on it is a local gentleman. And he'd been one of the men that had pointed out um, an outcrop to us. So yeah. it's quite nice that we've been able to use local expertise. And what about, um, I believe there's a, there was questions asked, because this goes back quite a long way when this trouble sort of started or was first noticed, was it? My mum remembers it um, in the village when she was a child. But in latter years, I believe that there was a survey and a report done by DEFA in, I think, 2009. And at the time, they did express concerns about how much there was on the Isle of Man. Um, and I think it's a shame, really, that perhaps it wasn't taken on board then to actually put in some preventative measures to try and stop the spread. Now, what is the main damage that it does it can go quite high what you'll find is it can take over um, so anything else that's growing on the bank um, will be taken over by the knotweed you can actually have instances where the root network can undermine roads um, footpaths that kind of thing mm. and cause structural damage so here as you can see there's lampposts quite near to the river bank um, if the knotweed was on this size, it might have put that in danger. Right, and just the, it's not just on the surface, though, that this, uh, the, the roots go quite deep, I believe. Yes, um, two or three metres deep. Really? Yes, yeah. yes, and um, about seven metres wide. So all in all, if once this gets a hold, there'll be no wildflowers or nothing else because it just stops everything, light getting to it and yes, sunshine? Yes, it reminds me a little bit in the way it spreads of convolvulus in your garden. Um, if you have convolvulus in your garden, it tends to kind of strangle out and take over the other plants that are there. Um, so it reminds me of that. So what, what sort of thing do you have to do? I'm Obviously, um, with this, the, the commissioners have had a look at it closely I believe and, and took on the task yourselves Yes, um, the company did their report and the scope of the report was to um, report to us the extent of the problem um, if there were any particular risks associated with the problem and potential remedial work so the remedial work um, they gave us three options um, and we decided that the best value for the ratepayer was the five-year option, which is three years of treatment with two years follow-up. Mm -hmm. um, to do that, what the gentlemen have to do, as you can see, they have to clear back and then they inject the rhizomes. So for three years, they do this injection programme, which is best done in September, October. Um, and at the end of that, um, hopefully, you'll have got rid of the knotweed problem. They don't have to inject every single stalk, do they? No, yeah. it's the roots, it's the actual, you know, the, the rhizomes mm. down in the ground. But, but, I mean, was it took uh, lightly with the commissioners that really it, it sort of found, oh, well, you're on your own now, it's nothing to do with us? I would say yes, a little bit. Um, when we got a reply um, from an inquiry saying that government will deal with the outbreaks if it's on their land, but otherwise it's the responsibility of the landowner or the tenant. Um, there is no guarantee that the landowner or tenant is actually going to deal with the problem. And if they aren't, and government aren't, 
um, it, we decided, well, we'll take on the problem. We'll deal with it. People, you know, this river's run through the village for how many years and people value these walkways, their, their, their wildlife, their nature, and they want it protected. Well, obviously, um, I believe it's put a tiny increase on the rates, but, I mean, how has that been took by residents? Is this a problem that can be solved and looking ahead to, to keep Colby sort of clean from it from the future? Obviously, the people that had reported the issues to us, they're delighted because they said they actually said to us, look, we'd be prepared to pay a couple of extra pence. Um, so when we come to set the rates next year, and in real terms, in your overall rates bill, it's a tiny thing um, to actually deal with this outcrop now and hopefully prevent it being a bigger issue in the future. Have you had other... Um, commissioners' bodies comment here and asking who, who maybe have the same problem themselves and asking how you went forward with it? Um, it's only recently that this has happened, so not as yet. Um, I did notice that the Friends of the Neb Group has um, started, um, so we'll probably contact them about what they're, they're doing um, and see if they could perhaps work with their commissioners to get something done there. A little, obviously, open this place up and uh, let the, the wild flowers flourish again around the, the parish of Arbury. Indeed, <laughs> yes. The primroses will come back, your violets, all of those kind of things. Well, good luck with the adventure. Thank you very much, Simon. Chair of the Arbury Commissioners, Jane Glover, there. And uh, when you see, there are some pictures on our Facebook and uh, Manx Radio's uh, website page off the, the knotweed in that river. And it's just like taken over everything and they sort of started this program now and uh, you know i suppose it's the only way to get rid of it it's only gonna get worse isn't it well that's it it's so um contagious it, it just takes over everything but it can do untold damage to structures and river bankings as well and cause massive problems for the village but it's, i'm glad that they're doing something about it there in arbury yeah and it's not quite as simple uh, like jane was saying of pulling a little stick out of the ground like a daffodil bulb or something i mean three meters some of the roots are going down so it's pretty wow. incredible isn't it it's a really really strong plant yeah. but at least something's getting done to control it and indeed minimize damage. You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermud and myself, Simon Clark. Well, this time of year, Kiri, is a busy one and I suppose um, an exciting time for uh, the beef and sheep producers on the island because uh, there's a lot of prestige at stake. That's Let's right. Excuse the pun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really lovely time of year for the Christmas Prime Stock Show and there's always a great turnout at Nokalo to see the, the cattle and sheep really, really well presented by the Manx farmer. And I went along on the evening to see who won what. Gordon Clegg, congratulations on winning both the classes of crossbred lambs. Now, this is a relatively new competition to, to the Prime Stock Show, and uh, well done. Thank you very much, Kitty. Yeah, it is a new class. I think we started uh, four years ago at the Royal Manx, and basically it was to try and get the number of lambs up in the show because the lambs are dwindling. And uh, the main classes in the past have been for sort of purebreds, your Texels and your Beltex, and unless you were into them in a big way... Nobody was really coming up to compete. You had Leslie Halsell and Sarah Cooley have been in there for years and they've done very, very well and a lot of credit to them. We've turned a lot of good stock. But by opening this commercial class up, 
it's helped to get a few more lambs about and that's the only reason I've done it like it's just to, to get the entries there and your lambs are grass-fed they don't have any of the additives that the other continental type lambs need to get them to this stage no they've had nothing they've come off straight off the field I spent a lot of time working for Barton Quirk and he was adamant that all livestock should be showed in their working clothes take them out of the field the day of the show and put them in the pen and I said that suits me because it's less work <laughs> it really is but tonight the room is absolutely packed here at Nokalu and there's a lot of people that are farming people but a lot of public here too Gordon there is a lot of people here uh, agri- agriculture has been in the press a lot lately over the last few years and the fat stock you don't know which way it's going is it coming or going and it's nice for people to come here see the amount of livestock they're about see how they're getting handled and it, and it just gives people a different perspective of what's happening absolutely is and your lambs Gordon they'll go through on, on Thursday to the carcass section well, how will they fare up against the continental lambs they'll, be, they'll always be behind them your continental lamb is far better in confirmation than what your ordinary lamb is I mean these are the crossword lambs really you're starting off the mother is starting with the hill sheep so you're losing out in confirmation in the first place although they are improving all the time so you're going to be that little bit behind no matter what happens I don't think they'll be far away at the end of the day Emma Farragher the biggest turnout of cattle here tonight at Nokalo. how many did you have in total? 14 altogether, Kerry. The predominantly were the native breeds, the, the Angus type. Why did you choose these over the Continentals? Well, the Angus, they're, they're calm, there's a good temperament on them, they're quiet, easy carving, and they're fantastic to handle for the likes of Holly coming along here and having a go. And the, the youth is the future of this year tonight. But what work goes in at home, Emma, to get that many cattle ready for just one day? Oh, gosh. And how I'm not grey with all this, I do not know. We've been washing, scrubbing, brushing, walking for the last couple of weeks and Holly's been the same, home from school, waterproofs on, straight out, on the job. Here you are, you've won the young handlers over the years. Now, you know, you're an old hand, Alec. You've taken part with all the rest of them here. There's a shed full of cattle. You must be ever so proud. Yes, very. I mean, it's nice coming here. Like, when I first started, I was, you know, win the young handlers every now and again. Then I won it for a few years. And for a while, there wasn't many in it, but now there's, there's more youngsters coming through. It's fantastic to see. Emily Crane, well done today on leading the reserve champion in the Prime Stock Show. Thank you very much, Kiri. Uh, this is Marjorie, and she is one of Alan and Sandra Jones's Belgian Blues from Balabane Farm in Bride. Um, I met her a couple of weeks ago, and she hadn't had a halter on at all, so got the halter on her. Bit of a job to get her walking to start with, but... After a couple of nights, she was pretty good to go and then uh, got her trimmed up and washed. And tonight, she really did look the part out there. Alan and Sandra will be delighted. Yeah, hopefully. She did really well. I, um, she was a bit temperamental to start with, a couple of kicks, but nothing serious. And then uh, in the ring, performed perfectly. Couldn't have asked for any better. Really? But what kind of work goes into getting a white beast this brilliant white? Well, I mean, I wouldn't say she's brilliant white, but... Um, <laughs> A lot of intense scrubbing to get her, all the dirt off the back end especially and then down the legs. But uh, a lot of scrubbing. <laughs> the British Blue are known to be a lot more docile and when you're out there in the Young Handlers, you really did perform very, very well to be pipped at the post. Yeah, but um, can't complain. Second place is uh, 
better than third. <laughs> <laughs> but Emily, you, you're still, you've left school now and you're hoping to have a career in agriculture and this is a great way to start. Yeah, definitely. I mean, farming's my only interest, only interest I've ever had and um, definitely what I want to do in the future and this is just all a good part of it. <laughs> Jim Cayley, you'll be glad it's all over now, the Prime Stock Show for another year. Not really glad. I enjoyed the Prime Stock Show. I've always enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, it's been a cracking night. Uh, seems to be an awful lot to fit in. Um, starting at six o'clock with the lambs, and then straight on with the cattle, and hasn't really been a break. There was plenty to go. It was hectic, but really good lambs to start with, and then good cattle to follow, and uh, plenty to keep the judge going. Very good judges, and Leslie Holzell in the lambs, and Willie Hamilton in the cattle. Um, I think the cattle classes there, Jim, were absolutely exceptional. There was a quality of young limousine and Charolais bulls there. It could have went any way. Oh, yeah. Everybody that was standing around was saying, like, you couldn't really judge it. Uh, And whoever came last, you'd be happy to take home. That's the way it was. There wasn't a bad one in them. It was absolutely chocolate. And the the hustle and bustle around the ring was really, really lovely. And and like you said, everybody had their favourites in each class. But my favourite class was the young handlers there. They were so able. Yeah, yeah, you've got to start somewhere and it's a good good place to start and get a bit of encouragement and uh, drag them on and, uh, yeah, it's all good. So now we wait till Thursday for the, the second part of the show. So going through today would have been Graham Watterson with the Prime Stock Champion and Sarah Cooley with the overall Sheep Champion. Yeah, and then also we've got the pigs which don't come here, which we're ju- we've been judged already today and um, Sean Dean in them and Tracy Ridgway was showing pigs as well. So interesting night on Thursday then? Yeah, yeah, it's all to, all to play for, yeah. At Alaman Meets? Yeah, down at, down at the uh, abattoir at uh, Alaman Meets at Tremode, uh, starting off at 6 o'clock. Presentation at uh, Alaman Meets at 7.30. So it'll be really interesting for everyone to go down and have a look. Yeah, and can I thank Central Marts for the use of everything tonight and again Alaman Meets for Thursday night. That was some of the people that organised the Prime Stock Show at Nokelo and the exhibitors. Busy times, and I say the, uh, you, you always wonder whether anyone new is going to sort of get in there and uh, show their wares and see how they get on, because they have a little judge of it all themselves too, don't they, and have a think about who can win and who's going to win. That's right. It's nice to have some of those classes that, that Jim and his team at the Royal Manx have brought on board for, for the young handlers, for smaller-sized animals, and there's a lot of young people getting involved now, especially at the Christmas Prime Stock Show and the young farmers always turn out in abundance to, to do the stock judging, a real nice tradition there. But uh, how the ladies keep up with all the teas and coffees, it's beyond me. Yes, they do a fantastic job. Well, that's it for this week's Countryside. Don't forget, if you've got anything for us, uh, just send an email to countryside at manxradio.com. If you missed the programme, go to Manx Radio's website and listen to the Listen Again feature and, of course, the Manx Radio portal as well. And we'll be back next Tuesday at half five with more from the countryside. So from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Kermode. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.